For the week of March 22nd, 2020, this is Star Wars TV Talk, where we dive deep into every Star Wars TV and Disney Plus streaming series, as well as all the latest news coming out of Lucasfilm. Today we are reviewing the fourth and fifth episodes of the seventh and final season of The Clone Wars. But before we get into that, we got some breaking news. So, Slash Films have reported from two unconfirmed sources that Ahsoka Tano, portrayed by Rosario Dawson, will make an appearance in The Mandalorian Season 2. Okay, so um, why don't uh, don't you kick things off? How do you feel about this? Well, so of course, Slash Films is the one that broke this story. So, you know, take that however you want to. And also, they confirmed it with saying in this story that they have two sources claiming Mm -hmm. that Rosario Dawson is going to join the cast of Mandalorian as Ahsoka Tano. Now, here's the other thing. Since that has happened, there have been multiple different news outlets. (laughs) And even now, Variety is up on the bandwagon reporting that this is apparently going to happen. Now we need to point out that nothing has been confirmed yet by anyone actually involved with the Mandalorian season two. Now that doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. It just means that it's at this point unconfirmed. Okay. So I think this might be the worst kept secret of Mandalorian season two. There hasn't been anything official and certainly no one's reported that they have multiple sources that they consider reputable enough to run with. So the fact that we're getting news outlets actually running with it now, um, makes me believe a couple of things. First off, we were starting to get a lot of leaks now that Mandalorian season two, the actual production of it, the you know principal photography has wrapped. There's a lot more fingers in the pie, you know, as they get into post-production. And so people start talking about the little snippets of things they've been seeing, you know, baby Yoda was such a, a great, uh, secret that was actually kept under wraps and until the first season launched that I think there's a lot of people that would love to have a scoop of that magnitude. And, and so I think what we're getting here is maybe a little bit of damage control coming out of Lucasfilm. I think they realize, okay, so people are starting to talk about the lightsaber battle. That's Mm -hmm. going to be happening in Mandalorian season two. And there's speculation about, well, who's going to be involved with that? Well, who's left in the galaxy that has a lightsaber and who do we know is, you know, Filoni's darling character and you know, what makes sense. And people are starting to put two and two together. So I think maybe they thought, well, we need to start a drumbeat for Mandalorian season two anyways, because we got nothing going on in the cinema this summer. So uh, maybe it's time for us to start selectively letting a little bit of information out to start generating some buzz and getting people excited. And uh, I, for one think is great. I think that's perfect casting. I've, I've loved mm-hmm. Rosario Dawson since uh, Josie and the Pussycats. Uh, I think she's obviously age appropriate for the role. It, it fits. Ahsoka would be about 10 years older than where we left off in rebels. And I think that kind of fits Rosario Dawson's age. Mm-hmm. She's, got stature you know she's she's not a, like a, a slight woman i could see her carrying an action oriented role and she's just got you know the the facial characteristics to i think really suit uh the ahsoka character so uh i think that's inspired and uh i think it's it, without saying definitely i think it's happening so uh I'm, I'm thumbs up on this uh we'll call it speculation for the time being 
I am also thumbs up on this. And another reason that I am thumbs up on this is because what other option do they have here? I mean, from the (laughs) end of Mandalorian season one, when we got that hint that the Mando was going to pass off baby Yoda to his people, we speculated on this show. Does his people mean his species or does it mean other force wielders? And we got kind of into that conversation there. And so Mm -hmm. I think that, I now maybe this is a teaser thing. Now here's the thing: you don't hire Rosario Dawson to be a little, you know, uh, in credits thing unless yes. she's going to this be later Ahsoka on. This is not Ahsoka in silhouette in the background. Right. You know, this is a, a going to be a prominent role. You know, at least in one arc of this mm-hmm. coming season of Mandalorian. So yeah, uh, a top shelf actress to inhabit a role that we've wanted to see in live action. What's not to love here? And of course, like you said, this is Filoni's baby. This is the star child of Filoni. Mm-hmm. We are having this, this once again, this blending of the animated uh, characters into live action, which we've been getting from this era of Disney. So this is what fanboys across the galaxy sure. <laughs> have wanted ever since Disney has acquired uh, this this great project known as Star Wars. They've wanted things like this. So I think it's going to happen. And man, what a fitting week to get all this, because this week we also got an episode that centered around Ahsoka. Now, we are a couple episodes, or we're one episode behind, so this episode of Star Wars TV Talk, we are covering episode four, Unfinished Business, and episode five, Gone with a Trace. So shall we get into this? Yes, let's put a bookend on our Bad Batch arc, and uh, yeah, let's jump into our first Ahsoka arc. So last episode, Echo was rescued and the team narrowly escaped with the help of the villagers nearby and the Jedi fortune cookie for episode four (laughs) unfinished business is trust placed in another is trust earned. So this episode picks up immediately after we saw the Bad Batch and Echo go, you know, all all out on on the techno army. And we get Echo coming back into this heroic role, and we speculated last uh, the last few episodes whether or not he's going to be fully dedicated uh, to the Republic, or if the Separatists have been, you know, kind of pulling the strings in the background. Now, this right. we get to see some of that play out. He wants to use his tools to assist the Republic that the Techno Army has given him. So, how did you how did you take? All this going down. I think you actually called it from the very beginning. As soon as we saw what uh, what Echo looked like, I think you called that he was going to be using his tools. Yeah, but uh, obviously this stuff's been floating out there for a while. And I had watched these at one point a while back. So, you know, I it's not like I wasn't a little bit spoiled for these. Uh, but you're right. I'd, I'd mostly forgotten what happens in this episode. So I was pleasantly surprised or, or you know, it was a a nice uh turn in the story that they double down on echo and they say okay well you know there's no way to know for sure but if one of our brothers is saying he can win the day for us we're gonna rally behind him and like that's where this was inevitably leading so uh yeah it's great that they put him to good use it's great that they were able to turn the tables on trench and use the algorithm against him and all the stuff that we assumed they were building to we see it all play out here so um a lot of fitting if not sort of like obvious turns in this episode yeah and we get of course all this going on the bad batch especially uh, they're having some trust issues with echo throughout this entire episode (laughs) up until the end here yeah 
because there's no way to know is this a, a really deep double cross you know counterintelligence game that's being played out here or have they gotten themselves in too deep and they're just out of options they're you know fighting the clock uh there's a, a lot of peril uh to be had obviously it doesn't go that way they're they're able well uh Anakin has to cut some corners to, <laughs> to, to solve a problem. But for the most part, the clones do what the clones do. They, mm-hmm. they rally, they come together, they, they work as a team. And much like we saw in the past three episodes, everyone gets a moment to shine and bring their best to the table to, uh, help them escape the ship and, uh, more fun clone wars fair. But I think there was really only one thing I wanted to say about this episode. This is probably as good a time as any, as we're kind of stepping through it. Um, as the clones are, are carrying out their half of the mission. I was really surprised that they all made it through unscathed at the end of it. Everybody, uh, makes it back and there's no real sacrifice. or there really isn't that one poignant moment that you normally expect in the conclusion to a storyline like this. Like I was really expecting we were going to get some sort of sacrifice, maybe on the part of, uh, heavy or, you know, someone that they'd really set up as maybe being able to elevate his character mm-hmm. by making a personal sacrifice. We didn't get that. And so that half of the mission, the clone war side of it, as much as it was great to, you know, have the, the, the ticking time bomb and, and the, the echo aspect of it, uh, the bad batch part of it, I felt was a little hollow. I, I think, I, I think we needed, um, sort of like, you know, the, the Harrison Ford approach to star Wars filmmaking, you know, kill someone off in the third act. And I, I was kind of hoping we'd, we'd get that in this one. So I, I think that's really, really my only critique on that aspect of the episode. Yeah. And to play off of that, I mean, we had two episodes in a row where Wrecker was talking about his <laughs> right. fear of heights. And then this one, there's not even a reference to that. And of course, there is not that big sacrifice. Oh, right. Sorry. I, I called him heavy, didn't I? Heavy. Yes. Wrecker. And, and the other thing about this is I guess you can take the stance that the sacrifice or the payoff to all this was that Echo eventually joins the Bad Batch. He becomes mm. um, a part of this, but I don't know if that's necessarily a payoff per se. And who knows? We may have not seen the last of these guys before this season ends, but this is definitely their their. Uh, you know, the the final arc of their story in this point of the season, that's for sure. So if we mm-hmm. see them again, I don't think it's going to be another <laughs> three-episode arc because, one, we don't have enough episodes to get through this to have them go through another uh, story arc with the Bad Batch. We always make our predictions about who we think is going to show up with the cavalry, like during the grand finale of these series we're covering. So far, I think we're 0 for 2, right? Like yeah. we, we wanted to see something happen at Exegol with the, the huge fleet that comes in there. We didn't get much of a payoff there. And with resistance, we thought maybe they were going to tie a bow on that and um, have a call back to them heading off to Exegol or something. Since we're 0 for 2, I'm just going to put it out there. I, I need a win. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say in the third arc, the, the second Ahsoka arc, the one that has something to do with Mandalorians and bringing us right up to the cusp of revenge of the Sith somewhere along the lines there. I think they're going to show up and they're going to fall in line with their, their troop brothers and kind of be accepted into the, the Patriot clones, the ones that continue to be noble after order 66 or rally behind Ahsoka or whatever it is, uh, you know, her, her brigade. I think they're, they're going to probably meet up with at some point. There's my bold prediction. Let's see if I'm over three. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, there really wasn't a whole lot that happened in this episode, but one of the things that I wanted to talk about here was the, the story revolving around Mace Windu, Obi-Wan and Anakin. So we get three Jedi in this episode that are taking part in this mission. Um, I definitely felt 
uh, caught off guard with this whole Mace Windu giving the droids an opportunity to surrender and become part of the <laughs> sure. whole thing. But then at the same time, I'm thinking, well, that does seem very Samuel L. Jackson-esque. Like, this definitely felt like something Sam Jackson would do. And Sam Jackson obviously plays Mace Windu in the live-action right. films. So, yeah, I just... Uh, what do you think of all that? Uh... I just took it as a bit of comic relief, really. Like, I don't think we should read into it so much as, isn't it funny if this guy is just kind of so, I don't know, confident in how this is going to play out that he can actually, you know, stop and, and feign diplomacy there for a minute. You know, we, we've gotten some of that from Obi-Wan uh, a little bit too, where he, he, um, sort of plays the part of like, calm diplomat but he knows as well as everyone else in the scene that this is gonna you know end in explosions and i think uh mace windu was perfectly confident <laughs> that uh he was gonna be dispatching some droids there but you know whatever we're the we're the noble ones we're we're the good guys so let's let's play the part a bit i just kind of took it on those terms just mm-hmm. yeah i don't know sort of self-assured uh, strutting <laughs> a yeah. bit um but i did giggle at it like i i got a laugh out of it i think that's what they were going for so i'll give him high marks for that it was a fun moment yeah i also got a laugh out of it just because he he mentions how many droids he has uh yes. basically discontinued a hundred thousand of these or whatever yeah yeah uh, but, you know, going into this, we see that Trench had kind of this end game through all this. So Trench wasn't putting all, all the tokens in one corner and saying, okay, I'm counting on my droids to defeat the Jedi and the, and this troop of clones at this portion. The end game is I'm blowing up the ship. Right. Now, this leads us into a very important arc with Anakin. So this is mm-hmm. the first time this season that we've seen Anakin doing questionable things. So first, Trench tries to do the separatist thing and plays to, no, you can't do this. Your nobility is going to stop <laughs> right. you from from doing this. And then Anakin cuts off his, of course, already mechanic arms. He didn't cut off yeah. any of the actual uh organic material arms but he cuts off a couple of those and then eventually takes him out so what did you think of this interaction with anakin because he says i don't have such weaknesses right so if we get a fun lighthearted scene earlier where a noble jedi gives the droids an opportunity to surrender and you know is willing to submit to the rules of of whatever noble warfare whatever uh the geneva convention of the star wars universe here we get the flip side of that and so it is kind of a fitting contrast so if there actually was a deeper reason for that mace windu scene this is it it's to remind you that when it comes right down to it the the jedi are going to play by the rules yeah so when anakin decides to go off script it's like oh right yeah no that's it's sure it's war but we're not supposed to be applauding this this isn't heroic mm-hmm. so this really was the meat of the episode as much as I felt we needed a bit more from the clones side of the story to really make that land, this was the moment of the episode that I think all of this was building towards this. This really is the the one critical plot point that we need to dwell on and uh, dissect. So you've got Anakin framed in the exact same way as when he does in the younglings or unloads on the uh, separatist high commands on Mustafar, you, you get a scene that is very much telegraphing that same tone and the, the same kind of shots. And, uh, he goes in, you know, with a, a scowl on his face and he's, he's just ready to do whatever needs to be done. And this really highlights Anakin's fatal flaw. Mm-hmm. He thinks that 
when it comes right down to it, force is, you know, the, the ultimate arbiter of good and bad. So if he thinks something's good, there's no amount of force that isn't warranted to accomplish what he wants. And as soon as that notion gets flipped on its head and he's convinced that what he wants, you know, is in conflict with, uh, you know, the Jedi code, he's, he's going to opt with his own brute force and he's going to do what he thinks needs to be done in the moment. He's going to be impulsive and he's going to be reckless and he's going to just be evil. That's ultimately what it comes down to when, when you're willing to do what's easy and when you're willing to do what, uh, your passions drive you to do in the moment, no matter what the long-term consequences, ultimately that always results in evil. And we get this on display here and it was a very satisfying moment. And we also see it's kind of the same fallings that he's, that he's found himself in across the, the prequel trilogy. And right. that's that he's, he's really doing this in the pursuit of what he thinks is right. Like he exactly. thinks he's saving lives. So ultimately it doesn't matter what he does to Trench in this reason. Trench isn't going to show them mercy. Trench is going to blow up this entire ship. So why, why should he show mercy to Trench? And so that's kind exactly. of his thinking process. He had the same type of process with everything else. I mean, this isn't like a revenge kill like it was with the sand people per se, but mm -hmm. it's definitely, uh, it's founded in something that he thinks is going to be for the greater good. And we We've also heard him tell Padme this and attack the clones where he says, yeah, no, we right. force everyone to do what, you know, to listen. And she's just like, well, that sounds like a dictatorship, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and so we see this definitely playing out. And so this is kind of the first time in this final season of the Clone Wars where we see Anakin start going down this path. And of course we know how it all ends. And so I really liked, even though it was about, uh, two minutes long where he's actually talking to Trench and going back and forth and trying to get the code to dismantle the bomb. And then by the time he kills him, but so much is done in that two minutes. It mm -hmm. just makes me so happy to have the show back and to know that Filoni is paying the utmost attention to all things Star Wars. Yeah, this this portion of the show was in top form. It's exactly what you want to cap uh, a run of episodes like this. You need something a little weighty there for the crescendo. And you're absolutely right. Anakin is willing to do terrible things if he feels it's justified, if he feels it's good. So God help us all if someone can convince him that something genuinely terrible is actually good. And that's effectively what the emperor did in Revenge of the Sith. So yes, he's the same person, but he needs someone just to twist him. He's on the razor's edge. He just needs someone just to push him over just a little bit. And there's nothing he won't do in the pursuit of what he wants. That's where we end up. This is showing that, yeah, we're, we're right close. You know, he, he's in the exact right mindset to be preyed on by the emperor and uh, yeah, fun to watch. Yeah. And this is something where I was thinking that Mace Windu should have been watching this because my prediction without seeing any of these, uh, of, the, of kind of the, the pre-production or the, the mid-production of these episodes right. was Anakin was going to do something this season that right. lost Mace Windu's trust because at the beginning of the season, it seems like their buddy, buddy Mace Windu mm -hmm. trusts him. And in this one, it still seems like he's kind of trusting him more than he trusts him in Revenge of the Sith. So I was thinking that he was going to see this. Maybe this comes back or maybe Anakin does something very similar to this and Mace Windu actually experiences it. And then that's where he, he gets into his trust. Or maybe, of course, we know that Mace Windu is a powerful force wielder. Maybe he sensed this whole thing go sure. down and felt the disturbance when Anakin did cut down Trench. Now, this was not a typical 
death in the Clone Wars. Like, we've seen a lot of bodies fall in this show, the Clone Wars. But this one, like, Trench was, he did not have a, a fast death here. No. No, Anakin toys with him. He gets what he needs, and there's no mercy for him. And we get a face-on shot of Trench experiencing the lightsaber blow, mm -hmm. and you see kind of the life melt away from his face. Like, they hang on it to really drive home the the impact the 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 merciless uh sort of just yeah demonic quality to what anakin's doing here the this isn't this isn't a righteous thing they don't want it to be presented that way like you could easily take it that way because he is he he does have a goal in mind and that's to win the day and to save mace windu like there are good motivations but they don't want you to feel that there's anything righteous about the actual act here there were alternatives he could have spared his life he could have brought him right to the brink got the information he needed taken him into custody there are ways to do this yeah. <laughs> and so they want you to understand that this is a bad act and uh yeah they play it up and the music swells and it's it's all there it's it's absolutely all there and of course in the at the end of the day, Wrecker gets the final, uh, he gets to outdo the rest of the Bad Batch in this. He gets the final call, if you will, by blowing up the ship. <laughs> Anakin the does right. the nice thing. So Anakin goes from brutal to, oh, hey, Wrecker will love this and allows Wrecker to blow up Admiral Trench's uh, ship here. So uh, kind of a nice send off for this Bad Batch character where we we've got to see for four episodes now them do what they do and be the bad batch mm -hmm. and then yeah i send off here and then of course echo joins them so yeah you've i think you've you've covered everything that you think is going <laughs> to happen here um i'm on the same page with you i think that something's going to occur i would like to see the bad batch's last call if you will be all of them fighting on the side of the jedi with order 66 now I'm not going to go with that deep and say it's going to happen. I'm just saying that I would like to see that happen. Yeah. Well, we'll see where it goes. I put my prediction down on the table for all to hear. And uh, yeah, if, if they show up and they, they take ranks and uh, are on the, the side of justice, wherever this clone wars season is going, uh, I'll be a happy camper. If we don't see him again. Oh, well, they got four solid episodes. They got a third of our season. And honestly, you know, if looking back on it, I think we could have done this in three. I think we had a whole lot of cutting down droids and a lot of tightening we could have done. I think we could have had as many poignant moments here in our finale of this arc, uh, even with two episodes to establish it. So I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm just jealous for as many episodes of Clone Wars as we can get. Like I, I've been waiting to get into the Ahsoka storyline. So I'm glad we're at the end of it. And I don't like to say that. I, I like to be like really, really satisfied. But when it came right down to it, this felt like these aren't the stakes that I want in the final season of clone wars. I really want to get to where we're going and uh, revisit Ahsoka. So uh, without further ado, I, I guess I'll shut up and uh, you can take us there. Well, let's go ahead and get into episode five gone with a trace. And the Jedi fortune cookie of this episode is if there's no path before you create your own. Oh, so wise. Now I want to put out my, my initial thoughts of this. So one, I liked having Ahsoka back. That was mm -hmm. a whole lot of fun because, of course, in the Clone Wars, we haven't seen much of her since she has left the Jedi Temple. And then uh, we get her in Rebels. And it's a very different Ahsoka that we have in Rebels than what we had in right. the Clone Wars. So we get to see, and in my prediction, uh, the, by the end of this season, we're going to see her get closer to that type of Ahsoka Tano that we saw last. This episode however was just a 
let's get caught up with what Ahsoka's doing right yes. after she leaves, I guess, because there isn't a whole lot done here. And I and I and maybe you have something to add to this that might clear up my thinking, but I don't see how this episode plays into the bigger picture of this <laughs> final season of the Clone Wars, other than, oh yeah, it's Ahsoka. Yeah, it it doesn't do much other than kind of let us know where Ahsoka's at in her headspace. Um, but I'm right there with you. Much like the last episode, I'm like, okay, this was a good conclusion, but I think we could have got there quicker. Like, I, I want to get on with the good stuff. I'm watching this episode and I'm thinking, wow, we're devoting a whole episode just to introductions at mm -hmm. a time when, again, I'm just, I'm anxious to be um, pushing forward with this. So this wasn't a bad episode. And under normal circumstances, perfectly competent, fun little romp, you know, a little bit of madcap chasing of rogue droids. And, you know, there was fun to be had here. It's just, you know, we want more. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. we know there's really great stuff ahead of us. And I think we're just anxious to get there. And that probably short circuits a little bit of our ability to maybe enjoy these on their own terms. But in this episode's defense, I'll say it was gorgeous. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the way they're lighting the underbelly of Coruscant it just feels so much richer than what we got in earlier seasons of clone Wars. So I love that. Like, I just love taking it all in and even just the motion and uh, just the, the, the staging of these scenes and, and how they're shooting it. Clone Wars has always had a, a great sort of frenetic energy to it, but I just, I feel like they're just really nailing these episodes yeah. that way. So direction wise, I, I think it's all there. Um, and in introducing these characters and letting everyone know where we're at, you know, Ahsoka's on her own. She's trying to find her way, figure out who she's going to be. She's, she's sort of like free for the first time in her life, but she doesn't have a cause. And you can tell very quickly that Ahsoka is not much without something, you know, to pursue without, without a reason to be. And then you get these two, uh, sort of underworld rogue characters, uh, that she teams up with. Uh, I'm assuming we're going to stick with them for a few episodes. So obviously we needed to uh, lay out all of this, do, do the introductions and, and get everyone positioned for an adventure. Uh, it's just a lot of calm before the storm. And uh, I didn't need to chase <laughs> binary load lifters around Coruscant. I just, I, I really want to get there. So that's, that's really my only criticism of this is uh, yeah, let's, let's just get moving. Huh? Let's get there. <laughs> let's get into the, whatever is going to happen with the Mandalorians and whatever is going to happen with order 66. And before I get onto my kind of piling on statement there, I do want to point out something positive. So the yes. nice thing is, so I uh, recently finished uh, the the first Thrawn book that is mm. officially canon. And there's a good portion of that novel that is set in the lower levels of Coruscant. And so just mm. kind of reading about that and visualizing it in my head and what, what kind of goes on down there and then seeing that in this episode was a whole lot of fun. And then, of course, you get kind of this, it's a different world. I mean, this is kind of what ha modern day poverty is, right? Like, they feel yeah. like they're forgotten by their, uh, by their politicians. They feel like they're forgotten by the Jedi here. And we get this introduction to Trace, who's obviously been stuck. And obviously, there's a, uh, you know, a system in place that is keeping people on the lower levels, of course, on in the lower levels. And we get to see some of that. So I had fun with a lot of that. And I had fun with that theme there. And and I understand why they're doing it, because I do think and I think if my thinking is correct, Trace comes back in the hologram that Ahsoka sends to Anakin with Sabine. So somehow I think we're going to see those things playing together. So I think that's why we got this episode that was just a long introduction of okay. Trace and Ahsoka was to okay. 
introduce us more so to trace than to catch up with Ahsoka. Yeah. But they could have done that, you know, I don't care with the statement. Hey, this is someone I met in the lower levels of Coruscant. She's an engineer. Like <laughs> all those type of things would have been fine, right? But well, this we get a whole episode yeah. here. But you know what? I'm kind of torn because I, I don't think my criticism is really that fair. First off, we're talking about 22 minutes of screen mm-hmm. time here. That really isn't a lot of time to establish characters. And the the first rule of good storytelling is you show, don't tell, right? Like yeah. it's better to let these characters reveal who they are in interesting scenarios that test their metal and mm-hmm. force them to show what kind of decisions they would make, you know, in perilous situations. Like they were able to reveal a lot about the characters. We learned that Trace uh, you know, has maybe been beaten down by the world a bit, but she hasn't lost her humanity. She's still got a heart of gold and wants to do what's good. And she's just kind of torn because her sister obviously is a lot more given to criminality than she is and is willing to walk that line and cavort with, you know, these underworld types and get into trouble. So in 22 minutes, they actually told us a fair bit. And, and so I want to be fair to it. The only reason why I walked away from this episode, not feeling you know, satisfied is because it wasn't what I was expecting. I know Ahsoka and, and I just want to see where Ahsoka goes. So I wasn't expecting a, an introductory calm episode. And that's what we got. That's the problem I had with it, mm-hmm. but the episode itself and the way that they unfold these characters and what they teach us about the characters and the world that they paint. And just the fact that they threw in a whole bunch of feral loath cats. Like there's, yeah. there's so much to love here and without the, the heaping expectations of, oh my goodness, we've, we've got a handful of episodes left to tell a lot of story. I want to hear that story without that meta. This is a perfectly good episode and it was a lot of fun and Mm -hmm. I need to stop being so salty because it's not about me and what I want to see. If they put together a quality episode and they develop some fun characters and we know that that's going to pay off in future episodes, it's okay to be okay with that. (laughs) And so I think I'm just going to walk back what I said and, and try and be fair to what we got with this episode. And another pro of this episode was, and I might be reading into it too much, so I, I would like your, uh, your critique here. But I'm thinking throughout this whole episode that there is a number of times that Ahsoka could use the force and she doesn't until right. it really, until she really needed to, to save a life. And so I think that that is speaking a lot to where ahsoka is at this time Um, i'm not saying that she's going full-blown like emo luke um on (laughs) uh you know in the in the last jedi but i am saying that she has distanced herself obviously from the jedi and one of the ways that i think she's doing that is she's trying to avoid using the force whether or not that's just circumstance and she doesn't want to reveal to everyone that she is force sensitive because of course you get that that kind of that cut to the child seeing her use the force which is, I think, also pointing out that Ahsoka didn't want that to necessarily happen because mm-hmm. she didn't want that attention of being a Force wielder because wh- wh- how does everyone in the galaxy view Force wielders as Jedi, obviously, here? So, yeah, I think that that spoke to a lot of uh, where Ahsoka is and that she was trying not to use it, but then this gets her back into it. And I think this mm-hmm. is where this pushes her, this little scene might push her into the greater uh, arc of this story where she sees that, okay, I had to use this gift to save someone's life. And then I think the siege of Mandalore that's coming up is going to be the next thing that pushes her even deeper, where whether mm. that she runs into Sabine first and Sabine tells her about how things are going down on Mandalore, however this plays out, I think that Ahsoka's, you know, uh, 
commitment to the greater good. I mean, she's really what Anakin is trying to be. She she's this character who will do what's right for the right reasons, and she won't mm-hmm. do what's wrong for the right reasons of like Anakin has sometimes done and will continue to do. But I think this is what gets her back into it. Now, am I thinking way too much about that? <laughs> no, I think that's incredibly astute. And the first time I watched the episode, I'm watching when her speeder breaks and she starts tumbling, you know, through traffic and she has to use her wits to try and, you know, right the bike and, and avoid collision. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, you know, she's a Jedi. We, we saw Anakin, you know, just jump out of a speeder in a very similar situation in attack of the clones. And like when you have Jedi instincts and Jedi reflexes, something like that shouldn't really phase you that much. Like there, there's ways of taking care of it. You could just levitate yourself and just call it a day, right? Like there was no reason for peril. And so I was scratching my head the first time I'm watching it. But then after watching the episode, the second time through, I was sort of tapping into what I think you just, uh, really dialed in on. And that's that the reason why she has such a bumpy landing there and causes so much chaos is because she's actively trying to just deal with it like a regular old person Mm -hmm. and not rely on anything associated with her Jedi training. She's trying to close herself off to the force, much like, you know, the terminology that they use in the last Jedi, he's closed off from the force. I think she's in a similar state where she's so disenfranchised that she kind of needs to prove herself that she doesn't need to be connected to the Jedi order in any way or rely on any of the gifts that they helped her to foster or any of her training or her ethics from it. She just, she just wants that all out of her peripheral for the time being. So it's very cool that you point that out. And as we go through the episode, the thing that I was assuming was going to happen was she was going to use her force abilities in front of these girls that have no love for the Jedi. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be the nature of their relationship is her sort of winning them over to understanding and being sympathetic to the Jedi. And it was going to be when she saved one of their lives that they were going to understand, Oh, this is a Jedi in our midst, but she's able to do it kind of on the sly there and not let either of the girls understand that, uh, she actually, you know, (laughs) had to employ her uh, force abilities to, to save her. So you're right. All of that, I think has a lot of subtext behind it and it goes a long way to showing exactly where Ahsoka's at. And that again is why I, I want to walk back what I said and be more generous to this episode because they showed us a whole lot. And when you take the time to think about it, it does illuminate a lot about where Ahsoka's at and we probably need that context and we probably really need to reconnect with who she is as a person right now to have as much fun as we're hopefully going to have over the next few episodes. Yeah. And my kind of final thought of this episode in general is that we don't know what all is going to be played out in, in these next few episodes that, that is connected to this one. I mean, we mm-hmm. had predictions about why the bad batch were showing off all their big guns and why, you know, uh, were, was there going to be a fruition there? And we don't actually know what's going to play out here. I think that, Obviously, it's going to deal with Trace getting there. There's going to be that connection that's going to play out here. And Ahsoka is going to, of course, continue to assist these sisters. Um, Maybe there's some peril for the older sister that gets Trace launched into these other things. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's going to have to wait for next week. So, Mm -hmm. John, overall, what was your biggest takeaway from these last two episodes? Yeah, I I think I already said it, so I won't won't harp on it too much for the, the first episode. My first feeling as the credits are rolling is we touched on some fun stuff in the conclusion, but I feel like three episodes would have been more appropriate and it would have felt a lot more punchy if they weren't going to kill off one of the bad batch or give us, you know, a really, you know, 
poignant moment like that, I, I think we needed to get here quicker. If what we were really building to was illuminating how far uh, Anakin's managed to compromise, you know, his, his ethics because of uh, the things you need to do in war. If that's really what we're saying, I don't think we needed four episodes to do it. So I, I just, I, I feel like less would have been more uh, to get us there with this episode. You know, I was salty coming into it uh, just because this wasn't what I was hoping to see. But in the final equation, I think they set the table very nicely. I think we have a very clear picture of where Ahsoka's at. Uh, her new friends are obviously going to bring a lot of conflict because, you know, morally they're, they're in a gray area there and that's going to cause Ahsoka to have to make some hard decisions and really decide who she is and what path she wants to take. So they really did set the table nicely. I'm just, I'm just hoping that we, we get into something uh, really meaty in the next few episodes, but isn't that just, always <laughs> our takeaway uh no matter how much star wars we get we just always want to get to the next adventure yep. and that does say something about how much fun these shows are you know they always do leave you wanting more so i gotta say they're a success it's not like i'm not tuning in at like 3 a.m friday morning to find out what's gonna happen next so it's doing its job having fun i uh, can't wait to see where we go next and do you think that it's a coincidence that the first episode that features ahsoka that is new content in in about three years now that the news about Ahsoka drops <laughs> on that same day. This is again, why I think maybe there's some selective calculated timing behind these leaks and why we're getting these headlines and starting to generate buzz. I think a few things. I don't think it's a coincidence. I think that they knew that they were going to want to generate some buzz for Ahsoka. I have a feeling though, that we're probably going to get a lot more information about the Mandalorian. Cause I wouldn't be at all surprised if they maybe drop that a little early. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, they got to go into earning calls and show that they've made some money and they just took a big hit because all this craziness with, uh, mm -hmm. the COVID-19 virus. So if we get Mandalorian a little early, it would make total sense why they're starting to beat the drum now. And, uh, if that happens, you know, so be it great. Um, I'll be tuning in. Yeah, and we're getting a whole lot of items early uh, with the, the stuff going around. <laughs> There's a lot of things being released on digital. And so a lot of people yeah. were calling on uh, Disney and telling Disney that it might be in their best interest to wait to release a Marvel movie, not to release it in theaters because everything's getting shut down and to release it mm -hmm. on digital. So we'll see how Disney responds to that. But yes, I think that that could very much be a possibility that we get content early. Um, yeah, well, a lot of people here <laughs> in the United States are in a quarantine, they're self-quarantined, their cities have shut down, and they're sitting at home and doing the responsible thing by staying at home and not going out, and they're looking for some content to listen to. So, John, what do you have for them? Absolutely nothing, because yeah. SNL has canceled their next three episodes and likely the whole rest of the season because of all this COVID-19 silliness. Well, I shouldn't say silliness. This is obviously a very serious situation. Um, but for pop culture podcast pundits, uh, it's a bit of a dry spell because a lot of productions have been shut down or, or put on hiatus. SNL has not fared any better. So, uh, we're just going to be talking about cut for time sketches, uh, at some point in the next couple of weeks, just to put something out in the interim. Uh, but we have no release date on that. Uh, no firm plans. We'll, we'll be dropping something, but really, <laughs> I wish I had something better to say, but right now Clone Wars is all I got to fall back on to talk about. So uh, do tune in here next week because we will have more Clone Wars to discuss. 
And you can keep up with the show throughout the week on Twitter at Star Wars TV Talk and emailing us at hello at Star Wars TV You can find the rest of our episodes online at Star Wars TV and by searching for Star Wars TV Talk wherever you get your podcasts. And please don't forget to leave us a five star review. You can find more TV Talk podcasts at TV Talk.fm. Thank you so much for listening and may the force be with you always. <laughs>